Hey, inspired person. I have to change that intro from saying inspired woman to inspired person because we have a couple of fellas checking out the podcast. So welcome, men, to the misadventures of an inspired woman. This episode is a little different. In this episode, I talked to my friend Ebony about losing her mom on the date of September 11, 2001, and also about her work as a social worker. I hesitated to put this episode out with all of the unrest that's taking place in our country today about how black people are so unfairly treated and after centuries of oppression, have kind of said enough is enough and are fighting back. And so as people find different ways to express their resistance, I also want to acknowledge that folks are grieving. And the way that we deal with grief is different for all of us. A lot of times grief comes out as anger, actually. Um, And so I think listening to Ebony's story of losing her mom at the age of 19 and having to figure out this thing called life without that safety net, I think is very interesting and it's very inspiring, especially when we look at the woman who she is today. Um, I think she's one of the most inspirational people and What she's done with channeling that grief and her life experiences is that she's channeled all of that into helping young people. She's a social worker in the public school system here in New York City. And I think she's she's a soldier. You know, again, everyone expresses their resistance differently. And so her contribution is to take care of the young adults that have been entrusted to her. She talks a little bit about what she needs to do for herself to make sure she's okay. Because as we know, many of us that are on the front lines, taking care of others oftentimes can become burnt out. And that's exactly what happened with her. So take a listen to this episode. Um, Do what you need to do to express your resistance. But most importantly, take very good care. All right, so welcome, Ebony, to the... Thank you. Yes, this is the Misadventures of an Inspired Woman podcast, so welcome. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thank you for even wanting to speak to me. <laughs> oh, come on. You are Dr. Campbell, right, more specifically. Yes. Yes, you yes, are. Yes, yes. I'm in good company with Dr. Thompson. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So tell us, who is Ebony? (laughs) She is a lot of things. Um, I am first and foremost, a God-fearing child. Mm -hmm. Um, I am the child of Sandra Patricia Campbell. And for anything else, I, I would say just grateful. I am just grateful. So you work with young adults? I do. I am a social worker in a public high school in Coney Island, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I also do part-time psychotherapy uh, with young people and adults. You are out here doing the Lord's work that's what I believe. I believe he definitely told me, this is what you're going to be doing. And here I am years later. (laughs) 
Yeah, because I think I was telling you the other day, under 18, anytime I practice, I've stayed away from as much <laughs> as I can. Um, and I, I've been around you and I've seen you interact with some of them. Um, we always kind of do Women's Day. Mm-hmm. Of course, that didn't happen this year for obvious yeah. reasons. But it's really beautiful the way that you interact with, with the students. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how did you come to that? Boy. Um, funny enough, uh, I think a lot of what happens in your formative years, you look back and try to figure out, you know, what worked for me and what could I do? Like they always tell you when you are leaving high school and you're going to college, you need to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And I remember um, it was really after my sophomore year that I decided that, like, I knew I wanted to work with young people, but I didn't know what. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember, I will never forget her name. Her name was Miss White. She was a counselor at my high school. And she was just the person that we would go to and talk about any and everything. Um, for me, just a... Uh, to be a little more specific, my mother would not talk to me about like boys. It was just not a thing for her. Or if she did, it was just like, don't do this. And if you ask why, (laughs) you're not really going to get the answer. Um, So I would just talk to her. And I remember thinking, wow, she's really easy to talk to. And when I was in college, I was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to do whatever Miss White did. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to talk to young people. I didn't know what you would call it at first. Uh, Yeah, a counselor. But like, how do you go about doing that? And by my senior year, I realized, one, I didn't work. I didn't want to work right away. You're talking about a college. (laughs) Yes, my senior year of college. Okay. I didn't want to work right away. (laughs) And I was like, I need to go back to school because I want to be a social worker. And Lo and behold, that's how I ended up here because some woman named Miss White in high school was really nice to me, didn't judge me, and I could talk to her about anything, and I wanted to do that. Wow, that's beautiful. (laughs) That is beautiful, and I see you. I've seen you interact again with your students and my crazy kids. I love them. I miss them. And they love you. I'm sure (laughs) they're they're missing you. Um, So... The main theme for our season is um, detours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you were one of the per- people that I was talking to that was like, well, my whole life has been a detour. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think just about every part of your life is a detour. Mm-hmm. Um, just there are certain detours that are that are more profound than others. Yeah. Um, for me, my... Um, most significant detour is when my mother passed away. Mm-hmm. So I was 19, uh, 2001. It just turned 19, August 26th. Um, September 5th, I came home <laughs> to uh, do a driver's test. My driver's license test, I passed. I went to the hair salon, cut all my hair off. <laughs> My mother drove me back to the 
Port Authority to get back on the bus to go to school. 10th, uh, I called her because I am a college student who always needs money. <laughs> mm. And I called her. She didn't pick up. I left a message asking her not to call me back because I was going to start my job the next day. And I had to be up really early. And, um, and that was on September 10th. September 10th. Okay. And because my mother is who she is, you cannot tell her not to call her child back. <laughs> so she called me back anyway. Um, and we chit-chatted for a while. And there were some laughs. And she was like, I'll put money in your account in the morning. Um, September 11th came. I walked across campus. I was waiting for my new boss to get in. She walked in. And the first thing she said was, did you hear that a plane flew into the World Trade Center? Mm. Um, the thing is, she didn't know my mother worked at um, the World Trade Center. Mm. Um, my mother worked for Cantor Fitzgerald. Um, they lost the most people. Um, and I remember her, hearing her say it. And, and I said, excuse me, what did you say? I heard her, but like my, I was processing and I got up and I walked to the student union, like around the corner. And as I walk, there are people looking up at the television and I look up and I see the plane fly in. Mm. And I don't really remember what happened after that. I remember, I just remember being like, no. <laughs> like this, this can't be happening. Um, and needless to say, I lost my mother September 11th. Um, huge detour when you're 19. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm getting chills just remembering the day and mm -hmm. hearing you describe it and can't even begin to imagine. It's, it's, I mean, we, we all know that at some point, in our lives, somebody's going to pass. However, you don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh, this is how you're going to lose your loved one. You, you don't wake up in the morning thinking about losing a loved one to begin with. Um, so uh, that day is, that day, that chunk of a day is a bit of a blur. Mm -hmm. I remember going back to the office. I said something to my boss. Um, and I wanted to go back to my room to change because I was in business casual clothing. I just, I wanted to be in sweats. I don't know. Um, but I knew I didn't want to stay in my room because I knew if I stayed in my room, I, I don't know what would have happened. So I ended up going back to work, which like, I think about it and I know the story and I'm like, why, why'd you go back to work? What was, what was it doing for you? But it, really, cause I knew I shouldn't be alone at that point. Um, the, the problem with that is people coming into the office, not knowing my situation saying, did you hear that such mm -hmm. and such happened? And the only people that knew were of course my boss and my closest friends who worked there. Um, so, I mean, it's an incredibly long story, but mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't get to New York that day. Um, but the next day, I I rode out to New York with a really great friend of mine. We're still friends to this day. She's one of my best friends. She brought me home. And I was home 
for that week and you know doing whatever you're supposed to do going down to the armory because at that point they didn't know how many people passed away they were still pulling people out um and then when you went i remember going to the armory twice but i remember the i think the second time or the first time it's all crazy um i had to bring a hairbrush and clothing mm. articles for dna um and i think that day that was the day when i was just like what <laughs> like so this is to identify a possible body mm. um and i did it i don't remember crying at all that week i probably cried once um and then i i came back to school the following monday wow cuz i didn't know what else to do um it was either are you going to stay home and sulk and cry and lord knows what else or are you going to go back to school because you and your mom really fought for you to get here so it was the only thing that that was the same in terms of like classes were going to continue there was going to be a schedule um so i i guess in my mind i figured do that because at least you know like that's the same mhm yeah so huge detour yeah as a sophomore in in college um i mean well first thank you for sharing that and i've known you for a long time and sometimes we talk about it but just like hearing the details is is different mhm right yeah um so thank you so much for sharing that first of all um the other thing that i'm really struck by is that a lot of people can't wait until they're 18 cuz you're an adult mhm and you're at the verge of adulthood but not really um no cuz you have that safety net you have that safety <laughs> net and that safety net was pretty much you know the way i talk about detours i say you know sometimes it's a bump in the road like something happened to shake you a little bit yeah um some things happen that you fall into it might be a hole in the road or you might be at a crossroads right do i go this way or do i go that way mm-hmm. or the road could disappear and i feel like your road completely disappeared it uh, completely disappeared um it was just me and my mom uh my dad wasn't in my life um of course i have like my grandparents were alive but there's nobody replaces your mother right. especially when it was just me and her um she's the one that made sure i had everything i needed like mm-hmm. everything she was my number one cheerleader so the road being gone now I got to figure out how I'm going to get where I need to go so that means I have to build my road. Yeah. Like there's nothing there. I have to find a way to move forward without the road that was given to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um it was it was difficult. It was definitely difficult. Um yeah. Yeah. I think for so many people for that to happen at that age their lives could go completely off the rails and they do and yours didn't right like 
this is my thinking face. <laughs> yeah, no, like, um, and when I say it didn't, I'm not saying that you perfectly figured out how to become yeah. Dr. Campbell, mm-hmm. but you did become. Yeah, I would say um, a lot of it was now you can't control death. You can't control tragedy. However, you can control certain situations in your life. Um, like, this is really weird. Uh, so I have this obsession with my teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they're beautiful. They oh, thank beautiful you. Teeth. <laughs> uh, and I notice, and this is probably something either a therapist or a psychiatrist or a social worker would know. Um, I started going to the dentist more than you were supposed to because it was one of the things that I could control Mm. like during that time. It's so weird. I don't know why that was like one thing that I would think about controlling. Um, But then school became a thing you could, I thought I could control. I'm like, it's this thing. You got to go to these classes. You got to make these grades and then you move forward. It's either you do or you don't. So I could, I felt like I could control that. I felt like a lot of what me and my mother planned in in terms of like you going to school, I had to finish it. Like there was like, what would be the point of her working so hard for me to get here and me not finishing? Mm -hmm. Um, I think everything that I did in terms of like wanting to be successful or what I thought was success was because I needed to do it because she wasn't here anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that she would want me to, and I wanted her to be proud. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of why I did what, a lot of the reason why I am where I am today is mainly because I wanted her to be happy. I wanted her to, to know that, you know, she did well. Mm-hmm. She can look down and say, oh, look at her. Okay. She still talks too much, but she's doing something with it. <laughs> she still is very, you know, she's, she is exactly who I thought she was. And look at how she's, you know, doing without me there. So I, I did something right. Um, you, you, yeah, I think you definitely, she definitely could say you did well. And I'm not talking just about like the outward success that, you know, you have all these degrees and you're Dr. Campbell, um, raised by a single mom in Brooklyn, right? Um, But the person that you are is also a successful person. One thing that I really admire about you is how much you value your relationships Mm -hmm. um, and how much time and effort and energy you put into that. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know what, that's, that's a byproduct and it's really, and the crazy thing is it's actually, it didn't start off that way. I think, um, my mother and my relationship, because we are two women in a household for what, 18 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure those teenage years, she wanted to throw me out the window a lot. I've heard stories. (laughs) stories. Um, And it was like, once I got to college, something changed. Like we were able to have conversations about things that I could not talk to her about when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun to talk to her about like 
future and men and friendships in a, in a way that I couldn't talk to her before. Um, and so even then I had this, I had, I was never the person to say, I love you first when it came to me and my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew she knew that I loved her, but like, I just wouldn't say it. I don't know. I was, guess I was too cool for school and just wasn't going to be, I love you, mom. Um, but September 10th, I know I said it first mm. uh, when we were getting off the phone. And I think about that often. And I think there is like something in me changed from, you know, before my mom passed away and after my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, I value my friendships and my relationships. However, to even be a friend or be in relation with me is really complicated because I don't let people in. Um, It takes people a very long time to even come on my radar. Mm. Like I can see that they want to be my friend and I'm like, nah, we're not doing that. That's funny. One of the... um... One of the other guests for the podcast is Vanessa. Um, and I, just, <laughs> I, I just finished reading Vanessa's book, Make Room for Joy. And she talks about that. I have this fear of loss, no matter what kind of loss, death, moving away, um, friendships ending, any type of loss, good or bad, um, because I have experienced a major loss. Mm -hmm. So now when I have friends or other relationships, it takes me so long to like let people in because the first thing I'm thinking of is how are you going to leave me? Right. And that's, that's kind of heavy. Yeah. Like that's not the thing you should be thinking of when you're meeting people. Um, And I know this, but it's, it's this thing that I can't, I can't part with because it's, automatic it just happens and it's protective right it's yeah it's definitely protective um so once you're in (laughs) you are in and like and I know I mean you've experienced this the way I schedule life and time with friends is insane um because you've said it before all right when you have time just just schedule me in (laughs) yeah and I think (laughs) I think back to your point that people who know you know that it's a, this is what it is, right? Well, you know, I appreciate it because I think some people, other people would be like, screw her. I'm not yeah. trying to be friends. Um, but then like, you know how I am. I think you said this to somebody. But I'm like, listen, if I've invited you somewhere twice and you haven't shown up, I, you get no more invitations from me. But I don't think I do that with you because I'm just like, she shows up when she can. Every time. Yeah. Every time. And if I can't, what's the first thing I say? Like the last time you had something, I was like, so I'm in Connecticut. <laughs> and I love that you send me things way before you oh, send yeah. everybody else stuff. Oh yeah. So like, um, I was ready for the sip and shop. Boom. I'm there. Yes. Here's my 20 something dollars. What you mean is canceled. Thanks COVID. <laughs> Yes. So initially, um, last year for the first time, we had a network sip and shop through the hashtag Goals Brunch series. And it was such a great time. We had such a great time. I probably spent way too much money. I gave myself a budget and then the budget went boom. And I was like, 
<laughs> no, Tina. <laughs> so I, you know, it was supposed to be in March. Love to do it during Women's History Month. Then I was like, oh, hey, this thing is happening. Push it to May. No. so It's coming. We might, I mean, maybe the fall. You never know. I don't even know how to plan right now. Um, this COVID, I'm like, I don't, I'm not making any more plans. <laughs> I'm going to plan for tomorrow. So you said that a lot of what you did and what you do is driven by wanting to make your mom proud. Yes. Sounds like a lot of pressure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what part of what you did or what you do has been based on what Ebony wants and what Ebony sees for herself or saw for herself? Okay. So I would say me and my mom had maybe had the same vision. I think hers was, I want you to go to college and I want you to get a great job and start an amazing career. Um, However, she taught me dream big. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, I got this. But I know this is not just it. And I feel like I would have this like lovely conversation with her and be like, what should I do next? Like, what would this conversation look like if she was alive, right? <laughs> like, I'm not really ready to work. How can I not work <laughs> after, <laughs> after college? I'm like, mm, well, you want to be a social worker. You will not really, you in order to be a social worker, you need your master's degree. Okay, so let's apply to Hunter. Ooh, super hard school to get into. Yeah, there's Fordham, there's Columbia, there's NYU, and everybody knows those names and they love those names. But for us in the city, you hear Hunter School of Social Work, you're like, yo, the that's the that's, that's the place to go. That's the place to go. Um, and I was like, all right, you're you're gonna apply. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about. <laughs> Some of the things that I do or have done, I'm like, ah, you're just going to do this thing. Let's see what happens. And then they call me for a group interview. And in the interview, I'm the youngest person in the interview. I, there are people in the interview who are like CEOs, been in the field of social work for years. They have all these elaborate answers for the questions. And here I am, no experience like them, just like... I guess I could be intimidated. However, I, I just like, I know I'm here because this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. So I feel like a lot of, although I say my, a lot of it is driven by making my mother proud. I think we had the same vision for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure I mean, if you would have asked her, do you want Ebony to go to grad school? She probably would have said yes. But at the same time, I had to, this was me laying down the rest of my road. The one that blew up when she was no longer there. So like right. now I got to build it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I built a lot of it with her in mind because at the end of the day, I am her reflection. Um. And then making sure that I was doing the right thing. Uh, and be like, okay, you got to pray about that. Because how are you going to pay for that? 
like <laughs> school's mm-hmm. not free. Right. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to pay out of pocket with no concern because she laid down the foundation for me to have that. Mm. And that, to me, that was just like, that's the, that's the other blessing. I need you to be okay. And if that means you want to go continue your education, boom, that's what you're going to do. Um, the doctorate, that's a whole nother situation. I think my mother would have been like, sit down, don't do it. (laughs) Sit down. I, I, I really think she, or she would have been like, all right, are you sure you want to do that? Right. Are, Are you really sure? Are you really sure? I think that was all me. I know without a fact, like, like that, that, that was, that was all me feeling like, um, you know, you feel, you feel stagnant. You want to learn something. Um, and funny, funny thing. I was talking to my mentor about it and I told her at first I wanted to go back for a second master's in higher, higher education administration. Mm -hmm. And my mentor is the same woman who, um, told me about the plane flying into the World Trade Center. She's been my mentor ever since then. Uh, I got some, but that's a whole nother situation. Um, another story. Um, so I'm talking to her and I said, I want to go back to school. She's like, oh, that's awesome. What do you want to go to school for? And I said, I'm thinking about a master's in higher ed administration. And the, it was quiet. And then she's like, Ebony, that's stupid. <laughs> I was like, yo, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> um, and she was just like, no. She's like, finish out, finish out your degree. She's like, get your doctorate. And I was like, this woman is bugging. <laughs> like, I just didn't see it. Um, and you know something so I applied um to a program uh for my master's in higher ed administration and they straight up said no yeah I was like how you tell me no (laughs) (laughs) straight up how do you tell me no and I'm one of those people like you can't tell me no without a better explanation right so I am the person that will call the school and ask what can I can I get an explanation as to why I was um, denied? Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> their response, I will never forget. We really loved your application. We loved your essay. However, during this time, we had more people apply to the program, and you missed the cut. That's basically what it was. Mm. And I remember sitting and thinking about it and being like. Well, well, she told me not to apply. She told me to finish out my degree. Um, and even then I was just like, mm, whatever. And then I remember really like feeling like anxious and like, I want to, I want to learn some more. I need to do something. And it's like, oh, you, you need to pray about this. You need to figure out what, um, and then I realized I didn't want to do it because I was scared. Mm. I was scared that I couldn't. I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't think I I could take on that task. And then it was like, dude, <laughs> you can't take on that task. Like you, you've done, you've been through 
craziness. Like, what do you mean you can't? Prayed about it, thought about it some more, prayed about it, didn't even tell her that I was going to do it. Um, and I applied and I was like, these people are going to tell me no. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, they're going to tell me no. And I remember I was with one of my closest girlfriends um, and we met up for dinner and my phone goes off and I'm like, what? okay, let me check it. And I check and it says, congratulations, you've been admitted. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I like, I'm like half screaming, causing a scene. And I hadn't told anybody that I was doing right, this thing. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, what happened? And I, and I tell her, she was like, what? She was like, Dr. Campbell is coming. I was like, whoa, um, five years in the making in 2017, boom, nice. Dr. Campbell happened. And that's, that's crazy. And I think about that and I know it was all, that was me. That was me, mm -hmm. me, me, and a piece of my mom, because I'm pretty sure, I know for sure she would have been like, she would have been encouraging, but that first thing would have been like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny. I went to Hunter for my master's too, um, hey. but I did school counseling. Um, and it's like you say, when it's, you know, you talked about having the master's and feeling like wait, there's something more. Yeah. Um, and this more was, was for you to walk out your purpose, right. And, and get this degree. And I think when it's your purpose, like it just, it works out not without its own bumps and bruises. I mean, yeah, there was that detour in between that, you know, I, you, you get your master's and you start working and I've been working in, um, social work in high schools for years. And, you know, the detour was, you know, you paid for this master's and then you think, oh, I'll be set because this is going to be my career. And three years in, you've, you've hit such compassion fatigue. You've hit um, just thinking that you're not good enough as a social worker because you, you don't have proper supervision and you start second guessing yourself what did I choose the right career? Is this what I was supposed to do? Um, feeling like when you find out things about certain students who were on your caseload and, and say, well, why didn't they tell me? Why didn't I see it? I should have saw it. We were seeing each other for a year. Um, and then you decide, well, you know what? I'm done. And you leave the whole field of social work. Mm. So I left the field of social work for a year. I remember speaking with my supervisor, this was like, was this 2000 and, 2009? And we, we were talking about something and I guess I got overwhelmed and I started laughing and the laugh turned into a cry. And I don't think you're supposed to do that with your supervisor, right? I mean. <laughs> but it sure enough happened. And when I was done, I said, I'm not coming back next school year. I will help you find a social worker, but I will not be back. And I think they, I think she thought that I was just going through something at that point. But when the school year started, I handed in my resignation, um, gave them two weeks, 
interviewed a bunch of social workers, picked the one that I thought was fit, and I left. And I left the whole field of social work for a year. Detour, the biggest detour number two, I guess. Yeah. Um, so now what? Mm-hmm. Now what do you do? You paid for this degree. You did not take your licensing exam that you have to still take. Um, and I was, I was, I was at peace with leaving though, because I, I knew I, I couldn't, I couldn't continue to do the work the way it was supposed to be done, feeling like the way I was feeling. And just to give you insight, um, I mean, you, you know how it is when you, when you hear horror story after horror story after horror story, and we're talking about children. I got to a point where I would hear these stories and just be like, oh, okay. Mm. And that's, I knew that reaction was just not the reaction you were supposed to have. It was just like, oh yeah, it happens all the time. Like I knew, I knew something was wrong and like, I just couldn't, like I couldn't, I couldn't sit in a room day after day hearing five to seven stories filled with horror. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I left and I went down to Florida for about two, three months, um, kicked it in the sun, in the sand, (laughs) uh, which was beautiful. Um, And I always say, you know, that year of my life was like, I think it was necessary um, to figure out what I really wanted to do. Um, And I was fortunate enough to do that. Uh, I did some consulting where I would go into different nonprofits um, and do like some group work with some students or run some workshops um, and make money that way. Uh, And then I got to this point where I was just like, all right, you went to school you still need this license. So then it became, get your license. Like, even if you don't use this degree again, like you need the license. You don't pay mm-hmm. all this money to not have it. And I failed the test twice before I passed it. <laughs> and I passed it and I started itching. Like I was itching to be with young people again. And then I was like, well, if you do this, you gotta find, you gotta find a way to do this without without you feeling so heavy without like with with really taking care of yourself this time um and now I'm like a year wiser I've done you know some consulting and some like group work and workshops and I was like this is this is fun like it's helping young people without the story of horror every single day. So how do you do that? Um, and I, I, I finally passed the test and then I started sending my resume out and a girlfriend of mine had a a friend who their job was looking for a licensed social worker. Um, and I just handed in my resume and they called and I'm looking at like the description and they work from the strengths perspective. Mm. And that's all like, you know, to describe it, to define it the best way is, yeah, we've been through craziness, horror, um, things that you can't imagine. However, 
something brought you out of it. Mm-hmm. Some resilient thing. We're going to work through that. Like, yes, you cry. You can sit in the funk, but we're not going to sit there all day. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to move past that. And it resonated with me because I think about my own life. It's I didn't sit there. Yeah. I didn't sit there. I mean, did I grieve? Yes. Do I still grieve? Yeah. Um, but I'm not sitting and soaking in the sorrow, in the, in the horror. And I was like, if I do this work again, I need to do it on my terms. I need to do it in a way where I think it's really helpful to young people and to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I became a social worker to um, the Young Adult Borough Center, um, YABC's students who were 17 to 21, uh, second chance high school students, loved every moment of my job, every moment. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just fit. Um, so I, I realized like my work is really rooted in the strengths perspective. And it's really rooted in who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. So we're going to move to our lightning round now. Oh, lightning. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's a bunch of questions that I have. Don't think about it. Just give me an answer. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? I don't know, but I'm going to try. Let's go. Okay. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? If I could have a superpower, um, oh, Jesus, Christmas. Um, I, why am I in my head? Um, invisibility. Okay, okay. Um, your favorite color? Black. Your favorite dessert? Banana pudding, the hot kind. <laughs> Celebrity crush? Oh, ciao. Right now, Jason Momoa. <laughs> okay, okay. Dream vacation. Yeah. Australia, New Zealand. Your guilty pleasure. Right now? <laughs> I know what it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't ask this question. Oh, my God. I can't stand you right now. Uh, uh, 90-day fiancé. <laughs> Never in my life have I watched this show. I can't stand you. Why'd you ask that question? <laughs> to everybody. That's why it's a guilty pleasure. Okay. <laughs> favorite thing to do that you haven't done in a while? Uh, favorite thing to do that I haven't done in a while, mainly because of COVID, is sit outside with friends at a nice restaurant, have a cocktail. I miss it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing about some of the detours in your life. Thank you for um, your vulnerability. Um, I know that your mom would be proud of who you are and who you are becoming, even as we continue to grow. Um, And you're right. You are the strengths-based approach, right? Um, the difficulties, the road disappearing, everything changing for you, um, but you being able to find a way to rebuild and to, and to live your life. I think it's amazing. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Fun. Yay. Whoa, lots of info you dragged out of me. You know, people, I don't tell my story ever. Yeah. Like, unless you know me. Um, yeah. That's today's a good day. I think it's a good day and I think it's super helpful. You know, Vanessa always talks about being able to help other people. And I think so many people are suffering loss now, young people yeah. too. I think um, that would be so, so helpful to see yeah. you as an example of that. No, but this was good. Uh, it's probably, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I guess because I'm, I'm usually private, you know this, mm -hmm. about certain things. And um, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast for a really good friend of mine. And she was like, well, what is it about? And I tell her, she's like, you good? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, you know what? I mean, it, I'm pretty sure, depending on how I feel, because like if I, you know me, I would have been like, all right, Keish. I, no, I, I figured you, and that's why I didn't tell you what to share, right? That's why I was like, you can pick whatever detour you want to talk about. Yeah. You can. Um, but I, I keep saying, I can't shy away from it and talking about it um, more mm -hmm. um, because I feel like uh, crazy enough I feel like it's come up so much more honestly during this time with yeah. other friends um, that I'm, I was supposed to be doing something with this information mm -hmm. um, what I don't know I just I'm gonna wait till you know God says I need you to do a little bit more with this. Yeah, um, I think timing, but, right? If you mm -hmm. weren't at a place where you were ready to share that, like you wouldn't. Yeah. And and honestly, Mother's Day is around the corner. So I'm yeah. a little more, it's Mother's Day, September 11th, and my mother's birthday. Right. Like, I usually... I usually start feeling away. I don't know what it is. And then no, but I that's the nature calendar, of grief, right? Yeah. And then I go that's that's what, what that's it is. what it is yeah um and it's it's close you know you know what your trigger anniversaries are just plan for them and I think you do that um probably way more than I even notice like it, it just happens that certain things happen and I'm like oh yeah I could see how I planned that out without even paying attention mm -hmm. that like usually September 11th I stay home um, yeah I don't go to work uh I don't look at social media. My phone is off. I watch every movie that I want to watch. And then there were, there was one time I actually went to a, crazy enough, I went to a youth um, rally type thing in Connecticut, like maybe two years after she passed. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, I don't know even how I was able to like, like be okay that day. And mm -hmm. I, I was the main speaker. Mm. And so I spoke and it was literally the first time I actually spoke it out loud and said it a couple things that I've never said to people. Like, I was like, y'all think she's dead, but I think she's in a hospital and she doesn't know who she is. Like, that's the first time mm. I verbalized it to other people. Um, it was the first time that when my dad, uh, like he came back into my life 
And I really thought that I was going to get my father. And mm. then he switched it up. And like my dad was still selfish and he, he wanted to stop child support. Um, and he tried to do all these things behind my back without me knowing. Mm. Um, and I, I talked about that there. And I talked about, you know, I, for some people, I have every reason to not want to live anymore. Like my whole life is over. I was like, but that's not, that's not the way this is supposed to play out. Mm -hmm. And crazy enough, like after I finished, I get off the stage, this girl walks to me. She was like, I was going to go home and kill myself because my father is a deadbeat and Mm. he doesn't love me and blah, 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 blah. But hearing your story, I need to live because there's more to live for. And I remember thinking, okay, that's probably why you can't stay home all the time. I knew that it was bigger than me because I was going to be able to speak to young people and, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I feel like God gave me the strength to do that. And my Mm -hmm. mom was watching me and she was like pushing me forward. Um, but it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The things that you can endure and push through. I look at myself, I'm like, who the hell are you? <laughs> You're a remarkable person. That's who you are. I like, I look at other people and I think they're like so amazing. And I'm like, you don't hold a candle. And then at other times I'm like, yo, you are dope. Like you're super dope. Be, be, be like happy about it. Like I look at you and I'm like, she is a professor. She is published. She's done a movie. You're doing a podcast. I'm like, this girl, you think I work a lot. You do, you do just as much, just as much. Granted, I don't got 21 of- clients though. <laughs> so you're, you're like able to like maneuver how you do what you do in a way where a lot of what you do is not for other people. It's literally for like the work you want to do, like your mm-hmm. movie, the podcast, like all of that is. And I think that's like amazing. I think I think what you're talking about is kind of like what the podcast is about, right? Like so many times we look at other people and see dopeness in them and mm-hmm. see how amazing they are. And we're like, wow, they do all this and that's so great. And we don't see for ourselves that we're also an inspired woman. Like we also have these strengths and these things about ourselves that's really awesome and wonderful. And I think... Um, that's you. Like you just, you put, like, I've been around you socially, professionally, like you put all the things together. You put on an amazing program um, and you're able to, to keep in sight what's important. And I think when I talk about people being successful, it's not just that you have this job, you have this degree, but that the things that are important in life, like relationships, like inspiring others, like giving back, you're able to do those things. And I think those are some of the best parts of ourselves that we have to offer more than anything else. And that's, that's what I feel like most parents want to look at their child and know that they raised a decent human being. Like a good person. You're a good person. And you're a good person. (laughs) You're a good person. You're an amazing person. You're an inspiring person. And I feel so incredibly blessed um, to be a part of your story um, and to be able to hear your story and share it. Like, Tanto. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. 
Be sure to hit subscribe as we continue on the misadventures of an inspired woman. Follow me on all social media platforms at Dr. K Thompson. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-K Thompson. And check out my blog at www.drkeisha.nyc. I'm so glad that you're a part of our community of goal-getters. Be sure to share this with someone else. And as always, be intentional.